having a goal that is specific and concrete in alignment with gospel values helps you prioritize things. When you have a mission, it gives you permission to say no. Welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name is Mike Gomer Gormley, and I am joined today by Dave, the coach Van Vickle. How you doing, coach? <laughs> Good. I, I have been a coach many times, so that's cool. Now, me and you have briefly talked about this, but I want you. This is a follow-up episode. You can kind of call it a two-parter. Uh, last week, we did the five questions parents and catechists must answer. The last question was, are you ready to train your child? Today, we're going to talk about the training mindset of a disciple, but Dave, uh, how's the Clubber Lang School for Gymnasts going? What do you call it? What is it called again? Your the workout Clubber Lang, shed? The Clubber Lang Gym for Men, and you know what it's called, so don't oh, you oh, dare. I'm, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. No, it's 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 not going great, Gomer. It's not going great because I don't. Uh, I'm at a point right now in my time where I I go to bed every single night with things left undone. And before someone calls in and says, you got to get your workout in, even if you have to get up at four in the morning, I'm already up at those times. So don't don't even write me. <laughs> and that. five I'll, other times I'll, during the night. I will, I will come to your house and, and beat you. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, it's fine. It, it, it looks great. It's a place of tranquility and and also violence, which is what I was trying to create. <laughs> um, but uh, but it doesn't get used enough. So right now I'm mostly in my office. So but but. But hopefully soon, I'm going to try to run power to it so that during the winter I can put a heater in there and mm. uh, and we'll see. Yeah. Get you get you so. some 12 gauge extension cables, son. Don't go with the cheaper 16 I gauge. I don't know what any of that is. So, but the but lower I, the but, gauge, the thicker the cable. So when you're running something right. like a heater, you need the high, a 12 gauge cable or else it needs something that powers power tools, not something that runs Christmas lights. Right, because you will right. well, it'll it'll know. it'll burn down. It'll burn. Well, that's good to know. So on this question, I don't know why I felt morally compelled to tell you that. Uh, <laughs> today's episode, we're going to talk about the training mindset of a disciple, and if we look at discipleship as apprentice, uh, an apprenticeship in following the Lord Jesus Christ, an apprenticeship in the Master, then what we need to do is break down, and I think we can use analogous ways of breaking down discipleship. Now, I'm going to hand the majority of this over to Dave with me giving beautiful covenant commentary. Dave's like all panicking because we're just doing this on the fly. Because, one, you have Erasmo's book, The Way of the Disciple, that is like your favorite book. Yeah, of all time. But also, you are, you at least at one point, were in training to become the strongest man in Pittsburgh. And the idea of St. Paul uses athletics as an analogy of the Christian life and I think it would be good to incorporate that in an analogy of discipleship. So the the kind of overarching theme is, uh, I saw this, a, a woman was running, um, was practicing her Murph runs. You know what a Murph run is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. So a, a Murph run is, uh, I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff, but the, kind of like a triathlon. It's a whole bunch of stuff. But the run itself is a weighted vest that you wear, and then you run as fast as you can a mile or one or two miles. And so this woman was training. So I saw the weight vest on, and she was running. She covered in sweat. It was the middle of the day, summertime, Houston. And, uh, you know, she was she was going full tilt. This woman, you knew where her priorities were, 
right? And she, but she had a sticker on or a, or a, a patch on that said, don't work out, train. And when she ran, I and I br- I've brought this up on the show like a year ago when I saw her, I brought this up because I think that is a brilliant, simple insight in a bumper sticker way, <laughs> nice and cliched, that illustrates discipleship, right? You could say, don't just believe, follow, right? It's this kinetic lived witness. It's the practice, when we talk about being a practicing Catholic, the lived witness of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's the reason why the church before it was called Christian was called followers of the way of the Lord Jesus. Everything was kinetic. It was about movement. It was about growth. But now we've made it about believing a list of things, uh, of, of articles of the faith, and then you know ob- uh, obeying a list of rules of right and wrong, mostly wrong. And so for us, we want to reframe this. Virtue is about progress. Discipleship is about growth and holiness. So that's what we want to do. The training mindset of disciple. It's it's I'm I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up that aspect. You know, I it has always been in my life as fruitful to meet a person behind a great work as it was to encounter the great work. And uh, and what I mean by that is Let's let's use like Alistair McIntyre for for example. Oh, I will use okay. that example forever. I, <laughs> I know you will. Man. But but reading Back to Virtue, um, after Virtue, back to uh, Virtue. Sorry, after Peter Virtue, Cruz. back to Virtue is Peter Cruz. Yeah, <laughs> after Virtue, it was it was great and it was amazing and and it was a transformative for me at least intellectually. But to actually meet him when he spoke on campus at Franciscan was just as impactful to me. There's some, there's something about encountering that person, and that's what I think is really, really important is to see how that person lives, even just to see like, well, what kind of man are they? Like, how do they stand? How do they, how do they communicate? How do they reason through things when you ask them questions? What's it like when you kind of put them on the spot? Those are things that's like really important, and I think that's what cannot be. Uh, forgotten about in the coaching mindset of discipleship, the training mindset of discipleship is that there is there's a, a communal lived aspect to it that can't be replaced, and this is why it's so important that it happens in families and and not just at churches. I mean, it's it's exactly uh, you know you ask any priest why they're a priest, and they're they're usually usually will start talking about a priest that they knew. Yeah. You know, usually that's the first thing they're going to talk about, and and I think that that is so important um, for us to remember is that it's not a it's not a, a bunch of facts, it's not a bunch of you know measurements, it's not a bunch of things that we have to know. It is spending time with Jesus uh, and his followers and seeing what it means to live as that person. And right along those notes, when you talk about the lived witness, the personal witness, the personal modeling that we talked about in the previous episode for parents, do you personally model the type of Catholic you want your child to become? The idea at its core is the way we live is didactic. The way we live is a teaching. The way we worship is a teaching. That's why Pope Benedict said, uh, when he was Pope, he said, the, uh, the greatest form of liturgical catechesis is a liturgy done well. Right, because it's about the actions of doing. And I was just reading, actually, before we recorded this, a document sent to me by my parochial vicar, Father David Huss, who's a fan of the show. And he sent me a document that's published at the USCCB's website. He said, here is an excellent introductory article on why the liturgy matters. 
And it was written by, and now I'm doing this off the top of my head, by uh, Dr. Tim O'Malley, I believe. And he has this, it, it truly is an excellent article and because it got me to think about things. He said, you know, when you when you want kids to learn baseball, you don't make them attend a bunch of lectures about how to enjoy baseball. What you do is you let them play a simplified format. You let them play it. You teach them how to swing, how to bat, how to do all this stuff. And he said the same is true about our Catholic faith because it's an embodied sacramental incarnational faith and because human beings are embodied learners he said the more important thing you could do for liturgical catechesis is not explain away endlessly the rites and rituals and mystery especially since we're lay people and we don't need to memorize the prayers of consecration and stuff like that is to teach them the postures and the devotions that go into the lay experience of being in the pew during the mass. Like, do they understand what a genuflection is? And are they doing it correctly? He said, if you get them trained in these accurate movements, he said, it's funny because they'll say, well, why do we genuflect? Boom, you've organically overcome apathy then. I'm gonna give you a lecture on the postures of the church. No, you go and do it. You stand at mass, you teach them to genuflect. Where do you point? Right, all that stuff that I'm trying with my six-year-old, you think he'd get it by now, but dear God, he hasn't. Um, but that that idea, that mindset of it's embodied, and because it's embodied, repetition, deliberate practice, uh, deliberate instruction, all of this comes together in a way that is so similar to sports, to weight training, right? All this stuff. So don't just work out, train. And the other idea of that is working out becomes when it becomes an end in itself instead of having a goal you stop seeing progress for you progress is nothing other than did i do it today not did i do it well not am i growing in strength not am i achieving my goal am i building up endurance is my respiratory you know capacity increasing no all you focus on is did i do the gym i did the gym check but if you're training you got progress so i'm going to lay out these four things that i see uh, matter in the dis a training mindset of discipleship, and then we're gonna, me and Dave are gonna break them open. So number one is it creates a goal rather than uh, a checked box. Number two is you have a coach. You also have coaches, trainers, all that that help you in the process. Uh, number three is you have to confront the hardships of training, right. the monotony, the silence. So you know the elements of why am I really here? The hardships, the circumstances, the other things that come up that pull us out of it, that want to destroy our discipline. And then number four, the practice. It's the practice that makes perfect and permanent in our lives. So we're just going to break down these four with Dave, using Dave's own uh, beast mode uh, <laughs> strongman just, competition training as an analogy. That's yeah. just great. That's just great. Yeah. Well, the first is the goal, having a goal in mind. I think that uh, we talked about in the last episode, you know, that what what is your goal? Is your goal to have your children in heaven with you, basically. And I I think that that is, if you have a, a goal that is that universal and that that is that important, every bit of your life can be wrapped up into that one goal. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know who it was, but I was watching an interview with one of the recent uh, uh, gold medal winners for the Olympics. And I can't remember. It was a young girl, but I can't remember even what sport she was in. But she talked about how every second of every day they were asking, like, are you what do you what are your plans now? And she was like, I think I'm going to go back to normal life. She said, you know, I, I have for the last eight years devoted every second of every day to this one singular goal and nothing else. And I think that that's interesting. And 
you know, you, you, for some people that think you might think like, well, if we do that with Christianity, isn't that just going to make us like Amish or something? Like we're going to remove ourselves from the world. But no, that's not true, right? The goal is to is to go to heaven and bring as many people possible with you. If you ask my family, right? That's our kind of motto. And so everything can be wrapped up into that. Mm. I think that having a goal, right, that is specific and concrete in alignment with gospel values helps you prioritize things. When you have a mission, it gives you permission to say no. There are so many choices that are out there for a parent, for a catechist, for an individual, for someone who's discipling another. There are so many things that are out there that will distract you from the sheer volume of choices, right? We actually, the, the scientists call it decision fatigue, that when you have too many options, you get analysis paralysis, right? So having a goal helps to clarify this. And our goal, right, Vatican II, the, the universal call to holiness, what does it mean to be holy? I think one of the big problems is training up new disciples in the Catholic Church is we tend to focus on just making kids, you know, children usually, but RCIA folks and whatever, we tend to focus on just making them educated. We want educated children instead of educating children for lifelong discipleship. That is how you flip the priorities. Well, we have goals for this age. Okay, I, I get that and we need to have that. But you can be educated and in hell for all eternity. Right? We don't want that. We want people who are holy. So are we making people holy? The goal is holy. Um, I remember at my uh, church in Austin, Texas, they were going to do a 5K fun run. And I have never run a 1K, let alone a 5K. So I got an app called Couch to 5K. Right now, there are like a million of them. But the, at the time, it was the first one. <laughs> and we're in Austin, which is hill country. And so I was like, well, I'm from Houston. Everything is flat. So now everything is hilly. And the route we were going to take was going to be super hilly. So I would go in the parking lot and I would do the couch to 5K app. It tells you run here, walk here, you know, build up, do this. I had a specific goal in mind to run a 5K. And then you work backwards from that goal. Okay. If you literally are a couch sitter, which I may or may not have been and still am. Uh, this is what you have to do because if you overtrain, you're done. You're not going to get your goal. If you undertrain, you're done. You're not going to get your goal. So you have to start with the end in mind. In this case, it's being a saint. So what are the habits, practices, attitudes, behaviors of sanctity, of holiness? Well, you got to read the saints in order to understand that. You got to read the catechism and understand these things. You got to immerse yourself in the life of Christ because to be holy means to be Christ. So uh, that is the number one training mindset is I need to have a clear-cut goal in my head to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and then work backwards from that goal. All right, what's number two? Number two is we're talking about the coach. We got to have a coach. We're going to have to go, we need a coach if we're going to be successful. And I can tell you that for a lot of people, if you're like me, this is going to be the hardest part. Uh, and mm-hmm. particularly for Catholics, it's very difficult because we have a, a, a kind of a desert of spiritual direction and, and of, of w- willing and qualified coaches out there. Even though coach is kind of a, a rage word in our, in our society, everybody's becoming a coach now. Yeah. There's just not a lot there uh, who can coach us if, if our goal is holiness. So you're going to have to have someone who's there to say, Hey, you're doing it wrong or you're doing it right. Or you need to, you're doing it. Okay. But you got to do this. You got to change this and tweak this. You need to have a coach, and you need to be a coach for those who look to you. So spiritual direction uh, and being a spiritual director is kind of the traditional term that's evolved over the centuries 
for that person who is more or less directly that coach in your spiritual life. Um, and when you think about it, right, you're a spiritual director is not someone who offers lectures. A spiritual director, like a personal trainer, is one who looks at you and your life and offers clear guidance on how to take the next step, how to destroy bad habits and how to build good habits, right? Just think about it in purely secular terms. Tiger Woods still has a coach, a golf right. swing coach, right. right? Batters who are the greatest batters in the Major League Baseball right now still have batting coaches. So many people real and, and a lot of people you'll hear these amazing stories of, you know, this you know, rookie, amazing, you know, professional baseball player uh, had a fallout with X coach and now got yeah, a new yeah. one and they blew through their records. Or, you know, you have this with gymnasts and all this stuff since we just had the Olympics that when one coach changes and a new one comes on with new methods, new ways of looking at things, it dramatically changes the, the even an athletic you know, high achieving level, right? There's still room for growth. And, you know, St. Paul said, you've had many spiritual guides, but few fathers, right? We all want our priests to be this person, but with the priest shortage, relying on greater and greater deacons and lay people stepping into that role as spiritual directors, the goal is that they have to have one Christian maturity, right? And two wisdom, Teresa of Avila said that the number one thing you want in a spiritual director is wisdom about the spiritual life. So the coaches are people who have been trained and are practicing the spiritual life, right? And the idea is you want them looking at your, not religion as such, but your religious life, not spirituality as such. That's the wisdom, but they need to examine your life. It's not enough to download a bunch of MP3s on the spiritual life. That's part of it. Right? It's not enough to hear our podcast because I can't personally shepherd you and mentor you and coach you. You need someone who can do that, right? In the in the words of uh, the latest app on the Cal Newport uh, deep, deep, what is it called? Deep podcast, deep something. What is this podcast called? Deep, deep questions? Deep, deep questions, yeah. Yeah, deep questions. One of the things is some uh, exercise app, and part of the exercise app is you have to set your phone up while you do the exercises so they can critique your form. I mean, if you're Dave, you know this way more than I do because I don't know it at all because I've never done it. But if you do an Olympic deadlift wrong with bad form, you could seriously hurt yourself. Yeah, I've done it many times, many, <laughs> many times. And, and I, and I want to tell you why I've done it many times uh, and hurt myself many times. I don't like the coaching relationship. And here's what you, you have not pointed out yet. Coaching and being coached is a relationship of extreme vulnerability. And yes. I don't like that, you know? So you have to be very comfortable with that. I, and to allow someone to, to critique you is it's a difficult situation. And so you tend to hide things from your coaches, right? And so you, what you want to do is enter into that relationship very vulnerably, um, so that they can fully see all the all the problems and all the the things that you have to change. So I, I it, it's a it's a nervous situation for me because it's like I don't like I don't like exposing myself this way. Yeah, you know, and and you do you feel exposed, vulnerable, yeah. naked in a way that is yeah. deeply emotionally difficult. That's why when people go to spiritual direction, many of them are you know especially in their first couple sessions are crying. Right. Yeah. It's because they have to confront 
that which is ugliest or the thing they have to bring up the thoughts that they didn't want to think. You know, that's why confession is so powerful because you're doing this. I, I will say along those lines and tying it back to Alistair McIntyre, right? Alistair McIntyre said the three virtues you need to grow in virtue, right, is number one, you need to have humility, which is exactly what. So you, you and I know that Jesus was the paragon of humility. We know that pride is that which is embodied in Satan. And so to be as far from Satan as close to Christ, we need humility, humility. So having a coach means utterly humiliating yourself. Having a personal trainer when you are out of shape is the most embarrassing thing you can do in your physical body, right? Going to someone being like, hi, I know I'm a grown male who's in otherwise healthy condition and I can't do, you know, basic things, you know, weightlift, all that stuff. But the humiliation that comes brings truth. So he said, the first thing everyone needs is humility. The second is patience with themselves so that growth can occur. And the third is justice towards the one who knows and to give them their due. So when you go to a personal trainer and they say, you know, you know, you're way behind in your mobility, you're way behind your flexibility, you're way underclassed in your ability to lift and you have too much excessive body fat on you in order to be healthy. You can't look at them and say, who are you to judge me? Right. Ideals and standards are there to aid us, but they also are always a judge. They're always a judge. So we need to understand that. We need to accept that in utter humility and go forward. We're not trying to be uh, Instagram models here. We're trying to be healthy, right? We're not trying to be fake saints who can, uh, you know, have a successful, you know, Kickstarter campaign impressing people with our fake sanctity. What we want to be are people who are real saints, and that involves humility, patience, and justice. All right, what's the what's the third thing? Third thing is uh, the hardships. You know, this is uh, that you have to be, you have to realize that hardships are going to come and being disciplined means you, you react well in those hardships. And that is, that is probably one of the most, it, to me, coaching is the hardest thing. The second thing is, is the hardships, you know, because there are going to be setbacks. There are going to be times where you have to face addictions. There's going to be times where you have to face tragedy there's going to be times where you have to face all manner of hardships how you react in these situations is kind of where the rubber hits the road here right like this is this is really uh this is the cross you know the cross is the ultimate test and so i think uh you have to be ready for that and just to connect the last these two points right coaching and hardships we talked last week about how we want to disciple our children I hope you're discipling your children. I hope you're coaching your children for those hardship days. Coach them for the hard days, right? Yeah. That let them know that it's not always going to be a walk in the park because uh, otherwise, it it you, this is a bad reality coming for a lot of people. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <sighs> I was just having a conversation with my mother in law and father in law, and they had recently bought a property in order to do home renovation and stuff and uh, to become renters, right? They want to own an income property. That's what I was looking for. And the people that they're renting it to is their daughter, their grandbaby, their her husband, you know, like, and they couldn't afford this house. And so I, I started to go, we started to go through it and she said, and it's been a comedy of errors trying to get this house renovated because the basement's all messed up and every and everything. And I said, okay, and she said, you know, this was the fruit of a lot of prayer and reflection between us as a couple and when we made this decision to do it <laughs> it was it was like okay my first thought was this is going to be easy 
And she said, Mike, it has been nothing but hardships. And I have been thinking about that conversation all day yesterday yeah. and today. Yeah. And it's funny because Father David Huss at, at our church, we all went to Mass and he gave the homily. And the homily was, uh, can you love your cross? Can you embrace the cross and don't run from the cross, right? And, the, and that's why saints have even said, pray for crosses if you don't have them. And it was so funny because as we began talking about this, having a conversation about it, um, it was funny because, you know, in, in one instance, rent people who are buying homes just to rent devalue a neighborhood because they don't care about the quality of the house. They don't care. But they're the exact opposite because it's their their family that's going into this house. So they're right. doing stuff that the neighborhood wouldn't do to, you know, totally. Yeah. I mean, they had to rip out the entire basement, lift the whole house eight feet in the air. So and take out all the concrete in the basement and pour an entirely new basement. Right. So all these things. And I just said, and as she was going, she's like, everything has been delayed and ruined and blah, blah, blah. And she said, how funny that I thought because it was the Lord's will, there would be no struggle. That is, I feel for her. I I, I have been there so many times. Right. I've been there so many times. I mean, there is so much wisdom in that. And I think. Yeah, how often do we say the Lord really blessed this because it was successful, it was easy, it was fruitful, and it's like I like we're confusing worldly success with the Lord's will. Sometimes it happens that way. Most of the time, it does right. not. And one of the ways I, I, I feel like you can detect falsity is if the celebrity status of priests and theologians and things in the church become the focus of its validity we see how many people yeah. are rallying behind it and you're like okay no i get in one day three thousand were added to their number but i also know that crowds follow jesus and crowds ain't disciples so the hardships yeah. discipline us because it's more about how we react right if i have you know someone asked socrates why do bad things happen to good people i'm speaking very parenthetically and he said uh or paraphrasing and he said well they don't it's only opportunities to grow in virtue, right? So all of these situations, circumstances, it is about like when horrible things happen, do I give up and curse God like Job's wife, curse God and die, right? I love that wife. That is the funniest and greatest line in scripture. You know, <laughs> oh, things went wrong, just curse God and die. Um, right. Or you could say like, like Job, like I've received good things. Why not this? I'll be faithful. And you don't know what waits on the other side of that hardship. There's a you know, the Stoic saying the 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 obstacle is the way, yeah. you know the obstacle yeah. is the way, and it's it, you know I mean it that is could not I mean they don't take it the same way Christianity does, but it, it is Christianity right? The mm -hmm. cross is how we get to heaven, period. And it's uh you, you know uh just speaking about what your your mother in law was saying, I I was telling my friend Father Chris Donnelly on a Saturday night before a, a talk, and, and my boss too, I guess I should say he's my boss. Um. I was saying, you know, I never, I've never been in a point in my life like this where basic duties that I know God wants me to accomplish, I do not have the time to get these things, like the, the most basic things. And it's like, you know, I always knew like, okay, well, if I'm focused too much on secular things, of course, God doesn't care if I fail, right? Whatever's going to bring me closer to him. But just like real living, like, you know, duties to my family, prayer, all those things, like I am not having the time to be able to accomplish those things. You know, it's like it's just survival mode in my house right now. Mm -hmm. And I've never been like that before. And it was it's such a um I am I feel very much uh 
alienated just from myself and from yeah. God because of that, you know, and it's a hard time to be in, but to realize that, you know, this is how you stay faithful in these moments is it's the, it's the test, you know, it's, and sometimes I get real upset lately because I'll hear people talk about <laughs> hardships. Uh, I'll, I'll hear like every once in a while, you know, I'll see like a video that I'm like, I'm, I'm going to listen to this for a minute. You know, I, I don't, I don't listen to a lot of other Christian commentators just because I don't have time, but every once in a while I'll listen to it and they'll, they'll say like, you know, how to deal with hardships. And sometimes it'll be something like, well, my babysitter got sick. And so I had to to do this and, and it, and it takes all it, mm-hmm. everything inside of me not to just throw up, you know, because it's like, um, you don't know pain. I'll tell you about pain. <laughs> well, 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 I don't want to be like that because everyone yeah. has their own. But, but there, what? But honestly, the next moment after I feel that like nausea at that mm-hmm. is just being so thankful to God that I, uh, kind of has been pulled out of of realizing like, okay, yeah, that like there are, there are hardships out there worse than I have. There are people who are starving to death. There are people whose children are starving. To, like, you know, yeah. that that is, it's a real thing. So, And in terms of this, uh, I'm going to recommend a book by Ascension Press's own Jeff Cavins. It's called When You Suffer, Biblical Keys for Hope and Understanding. And this was recommended to me by a man whose wife had passed, and she was super devout in her Catholicism, and he was like, yeah, I like being Catholic. And he went through this, and he's the IT guy at my church. We just did an incredible podcast with him. But uh, he came to me when my wife was going through our ectopic pregnancy and all the loss that we've suffered, and he just sat down in my office. He's like, I'm going to recommend a book that helps you make sense of all of this stuff. Um, And it's called When You Suffer by Jeff Cavins. And he said, for the first time in my life, I heard my wife say this phrase that annoyed me to no end. And it actually uh, like ticked me off about Catholicism. But now I understand she was right and I was wrong. And it's the phrase, offer it up. I never understood what that meant until I read this book. And um, I started to think about this. The hardships... Uh, there's a, a book by Father Survey Pinkers called The Sources of Christian Ethics. You can get a book called The Morality, The Catholic View, which is like the layperson view. And he says that when teaching morality, if we just do a list of a bunch of do's and don'ts, we leave out some of the most crucial things of being human, which is things like friendship. Where's that in a morality list of do's and don'ts? Um, and they said, and suffering. And he had this key phrase where he said, a life or an acute experience of suffering can cause someone who has lived virtuously their entire lives to reject the faith. And I have seen it in my own life. I have seen it in friends, family members who are very close to me that think that when times are good, that means they're blessed. When times are rough, that means God hates me. So why do I want to love a God like this? And understanding the role of suffering that God himself did not exempt himself from suffering when he entered into the human uh into the human condition so important it is so important for us to see the cross at the center of human life suffering is the rule not the exception but i think in the west we want it to be the opposite 
and it's just these things that keep it at the forefront. All right, when we come back, we're going to go through the fourth aspect, practice makes perfect. We're going to go through that, uh, but we're going to take a brief break from the fine folks at Ascension Press so that you guys can hear a wonderful message. And I would invite you, like last week we reminded you, give us a five-star review if you think we've earned it. I would encourage you to do it at Spotify, uh, iTunes, Apple Music, or whatever the Apple thing now is. Uh, go ahead and go do that because it does help uh, listeners of the show. All right, y'all. We'll be right back. How do I capture and pass down insights and truths that are meaningful? Hi, I'm Jeff Cavins, the creator of the Bible Timeline Learning System, and I created the Insight Journal. Within the Insight Journal is a system to keep track of the best insights of life in an organized and easily accessible way. No more rummaging through journal after journal to find that one insight from prayer that you want to share. I have done months of research to create the best journal for you to keep your golden nuggets of truth. Get ready to write your insights from Mass, the Bible, talks, and more in a beautiful cloth-covered journal with a ribbon, strap, and interior folder. To order your copy of the Insight Journal, go to ascensionpress.com forward slash Insight Journal. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. I hope you uh, were able to... <laughs> what was that? That's it was like, it, it it's like sound effects, man. It's just sound effects. Oh, oh, okay. That like scared me. That was Gomer, everyone, <laughs> making sound effects. Uh, I hope that uh, you were able to hear what Ascension Press had to offer. They have so many great things. We love being a part of their community. Uh, just a quick note, as always, we love it when you ask questions. So please email us at eksb at ascensionpress.com. Whatever questions you have about evangelization, discipleship, we will take a swing at them for sure. Let's uh, let's get right back in. We have our fourth point here that we want to make, uh, and 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 then we're 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 calling it to an end here. So fourth is practice makes perfect. Gomer, jump out there with this. Yeah. So when you ask someone who plays the guitar, oh, I play guitar. You, the question is not how many years, but how many hours that matters most, right? You can say I've been playing the guitar for five years. How many times have you picked it up? Once a year, <laughs> right? So yeah. it's not how yeah, many hours, yeah. not how many years, but how many hours that matters. How many hours, let me say this, have you practiced your Catholicism, right? And, and what, whatever that means. How many hours have you prayed? Right? He's, oh, I pray every year. I pray once a year. What, what does that mean? How many hours have you prayed? How many hours have you spent loving your neighbor as yourself? How many hours have you spent serving the poor? How many hours have you spent welcoming the outcast? How many hours have you spent studying your faith so that you can guide and lead other people through this? Like These are the things that we need to understand that practice makes perfect and it makes permanent. Right? How many hours have you spent praying the liturgy of the hours? Right? having this incorporation of the Catholic faith in word and gesture, indeed in practice, right? That's what we need to focus on. It's a, it's a classic kind of scenario that he set up, you know, where, where the whole guitar thing, you know, mm -hmm. uh, so many people, so many people talk to you about the last thing that they've done. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yes. How someone who like, they discover like the rosary, and it's been like two days and all they talk about is the rosary. And you get this idea like, oh, my gosh, they must be like, you know, praying the rosary since they were a kid or something like that. And 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 we tend to do that. I tend to be like that. Yeah. You know, the last thing I'm really excited about. 
But there is something to be said, and this is why I always like, you know, for confessors, I look for priests who have been who have been priests, parish priests in particular, priests for years and years and years and years and years, like, you know, 50 years, something like that. They make such great confessors because they've done it so many times and they've heard what you're saying so many times. Yeah. There's some there's a peace about that and a comfort that a person has when they've had their you know, in the secular terms, they're 10,000 hours or whatever you want to say about yeah. of, of whatever it is, you know, but there is just something about it where, you know, think about anything that you had to learn. I always think about like with uh, Taekwondo, right? The very first class, it was so awkward and so awful. And now it would be like, I would have no problem walking into any school in the whole country. You know, it wouldn't, I would not feel uncomfortable at all Yeah, because I've spent so many hours doing it. And, and, and it's the same thing, like, especially with prayer, prayer is awkward at first and it's strange and it's weird, but it becomes uh, such a peaceful, wonderful thing. And all of us have to get to that point where we, we just, we've spent so many hours with him. There's nothing uncomfortable about it in mm. any way. Mm. Yeah. I, I often think about this in terms of uh, there was a, a like 15th century monk who talked about, and Jim Beckman talks about this a lot. Are you a channel or a reservoir, right? A reservoir oh. is someone who is a thing that's filled up with rainwater. And then from the overflow waters, the garden, a channel is something that as soon as the rain comes, it immediately passes the water out to the crops. Right. Oh, and so that's great. Yeah. And so the idea is we are called as Catholics to be reservoirs, not channels. But what happens is exactly what you said. The last thing I did, I brag about. The last evangelical conversation I have is the thing I bring up on the show rather than, you know, like, oh, really? Sounds like you've been doing it all the time. That's because I'm a poser, right? So the idea is we were faking that, uh, putting that um, best foot forward, right? This is the reason why we don't put pictures of ourselves on social media until we look our best from the right angle, right? It's because we're doing this, we're doing this thing where we're, we're trying to put forward a false image of ourselves. It's a channel, not a reservoir. The reservoir takes time. It's not going to be fast. Um, when you talk about elite athletes, one of the things that move them from being from the back of the pack to the front of the pack is the, the back of the pack stopped loving basketball. You know, I'll use that analogy. Kobe Bryant was the one that said this. They stopped loving basketball when the monotony of the practice became yep. unbearable and he said everyone who is a professional level basketball player learned how to embrace the monotony and when you start to think about that in daily life right the greatest writers are those who write all the time when even especially when they don't feel like writing right yeah. because writing if you only wait till all oh, the emotions are the, the best prayers are those who pray all the time not just when they feel like praying and so the the embracing of a monotony and finding in the end you know Kobe Bryant said you, you find joy in it right you find joy in the fact that the practice makes permanent but when you shot your 500th three point shot in 2 days at practice for hours a day you realize that you can do a three-point shot without ever thinking about it. That is, if you habituate it into your very flesh and bones, right? And the same is true about, like, how many, Dave, have you ever walked into, um, like, you ever gone to a concert and you've almost genuflected before you've gone into the concert seating? Have you ever done <laughs> sure, stuff yeah. like that? Sure, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did that one time at a, um, 
at a, at a movie. I watched it. And I, did, I was like, oh, oh, oh. and then uh, uh, my, apparently my my brother-in-law used to, when he was a little kid, would dip his finger in urinals and bless himself because he didn't oh, know my they gosh. Were urinals. Oh, that's <laughs> it's funny. So funny. Oh I'll yeah. So uh, I'll tell you, I'll I'll tell you uh, uh, along these points. You know, a rule that I've had that you don't know about that I've never told you about. What's that? Is is when I read a book, I never teach what I read like for six months. That's a rule that I keep. See, that's a like good I way. Dig- uh, see, I digest it. I write. I I argue with it. I you know, and then and I try to. I literally try to keep it almost a secret for like six months. See, that's so funny. I mean, sometimes I'm the exact I'll mention opposite. it, but I'm the exact opposite. I'm like, I'm not going to read unless it's for a class I'm teaching in four hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hence the book, Handing Down the Faith want, by Christian I Smith. I literally <laughs> got the podcast, put it on, or the audiobook, put it on double speed, played it while I was typing out my notes for the parent talk. <laughs> oh, I'm a wreck. Pray for me. All right, so if we step day, back, if we, if we step back and look at this, we can see uh, the first is the goal. If you have a training mindset of discipleship, you have a goal, you have a clear goal that lets you measure progress. Number two, have a coach, have someone who is more than just a lecturer, or a teacher, someone who can bring a critique even into your form, into your life, into your practice, your real history to help you make progress. Number three is the hardships. Yes, it will get difficult. Circumstances will come at you from all different ways and places uh even dave sending me funny pictures in the chat while i'm trying to talk and number four is practice embrace the monotony because practice makes perfect and it makes permanent all right everyone this has been every niche about your weekly catholic podcast and evangelization this is gomer saying adios my friends god bless you bye